and welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, Bubba and I are so excited that you have joined us uh, as we uh, continue to, you know, uh, do our part in this new world, Bubba, of a podcast. I mean, if you, if you content, if, content. Look, if you ain't got a podcast now, you you, you, ain't, you ain't nothing. <laughs> content, Rick. People need more content. We need more content. When five hours a day is just not enough. There's Rick and Bubba University. There you go. Now, <laughs> this is a topic over the years, uh, and and honestly. Because I've never had to deal with it with any of my children, uh, and I and I don't I'm not saying I'm proud of this, but many times on our show when this Common Core uh, argument breaks out and people talking about those that are for Common Core, those that are against Common Core, and and Common Core this and Common Core that, uh, I've never had a child that, that was put uh, that was in a school at the time uh, when Common Core was was existing. So in, in all fairness, I didn't really pay that much attention to it. I have family members who are teachers. I've heard them discuss it a little bit. And uh, so we decided to take a, a, a podcast and talk about it because there's 43 states right now in the United States of America that have adopted Common Core. Uh, there's a number of states where this is coming up for a vote or there's a chance for you to have a say in it. Uh, so what we're going to try to do today is to be educated on this whole Common Core debate that is going on with our country. And uh, one of the, the people that's been speaking about this nationally uh, is Joan Landis, and Joan joins us uh, for uh, uh, her guest appearance and debut on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Joan, welcome to uh, RBU. Awesome. We're just glad to be together. Let's talk. All right, so <laughs> l- let's jump in. Now, you, uh, you, you are a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and, and we can get into to what your profession is, but, but b- besides all this, you and your husband – um, you know, actually have seven children, and 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 I love what it says in your congratulations. Bio. Yeah, congratulations on that. Thank you. And you, and and you homeschooled your children, and and about half the time, I guess it would have taken for them to earn the same uh, uh, diplomas in in any of our government schools or even a private school. Uh, and you guys homeschooled them, and you found in this process, uh, you developed uh, one of the things we've said on our show for many years that we we think the the classroom format that uh, the government schools uh, implement, it, it's really a form of education designed for girls. Uh, and it, you, Yeah, I, I call it confinement schooling. And it, it really isn't natural, really doesn't meet the needs of kids, especially our, our warrior boys. You know, it, it's very, very tough for them. And so, right, so uh, I've, I've been a consultant for a new school called called Breakout School that, that absolutely breaks out of the... Uh, the paradigms that the the industrial complex of education has kind of force fed us and and that school uh probably 70 80 percent of the time those boys are in the outdoors and outside and it's the results have been phenomenal so that's just an that's an example of how you know common core gets us thinking inside this box and arguing about this box. And I think it's really important for us to say, we've got to think out of the box. What is the best for these boys? What are the best for these girls? And because we know the suicide rates are through the roof. They are through the roof. And and what we're doing now is not working. So we really need to put put everything on the the table and say, really, Common Core, uh, is that really what's going to be best? What we found with this school is that these boys were extremely discouraged with these arbitrary standards, right? Common core standards, very discouraged. They had ADHD, they have anxiety. One of them had to have his mother come and sit with him in math class for two years every day. And he would literally tear his hair out, have tantrums, right? 
because it was so it was so not friendly to uh, a lot of the ways that kids learn. He got into this breakout school where they work with horses and they're outside and and it's very small. It's like six kids with one adult male, and it's crazy. He's gone from third grade math to pre-algebra in one year. So it's and and plus his just his mental health. He's happier, more stable. So what I'm saying is, uh, yes, Common Core is definitely something we need to discuss. But even bigger than that yeah. is local control choices. You know things like that. Yeah. Uh, so so let's talk about Common Core. The, just yeah. just the mention of it gets everybody's dander up. What exactly is that? And and I understand. Joan, that that people want uh, a, a standard that they can compare A and B. You know, this state's doing good, this state's not. This school, I mean, I understand that concept. It's, it sounds like you're giving grades out. But why why is it so controversial with so many people? Well, because it's it's top-down management. It's, it's coming from the feds. This is not locally generated. Um, there's some window dressing to make it look like it is, but it's not. And we know that any time that we have a, a big federal bureaucracy dictating to families what they must do with their children, you inherently have problems because it simply cannot fit the individual needs of individual families. Not only that, but it becomes very political, right? Anything that happens in Washington, D.C. that has that much impact, people are going to fight tooth and nail. But the way that the founders really looked at education was that it should be every township should have their school and and it should be very locally controlled. The teachers should board with the parents of the students. I mean, that's the one room schoolhouse actually was genius. But now what we have is what, uh, you know, Bill Gates is actually on on videotape saying what we need to do is standardize things so that standardize, you know, the, the education for kids and even the implication of standardized kids so that they're like a plug that fits in the right outlet. And that that is just that's terrible. Yeah, when and, you, and yeah, you feel yeah, that. Yeah, you look at it, the the whole the what the, the cell on Common Core was just what you said, Bubba, and what you're talking about, Joan, is they were trying to to prepare students. They said this would actually prepare them better for college. Uh, you said Bubba and you're right. This would give us a better indication of how we're doing as a nation. It, it, it would catch us up to the rest of the world. And but but as you and many others are pointing out, but it's flawed because number one, uh, you Bub and I've talked about this. I think when you try to take the American culture and you try to adapt it to other world cultures, you're, you're already making a mistake because uh, Americans, you know, that's the innovators of the world. They're the ones that that have, in, have made all these great inventions. And if you if you take American children. And you try to make them more robotic, and all as you said, you know, one size fits all. We we lose that uh, entrepreneurial and innovative, uh, you know, spirit of invention and exploration, and and it seems to be designed to damper that as well. Is what's your comment on that? Well, and that's exactly what Dave Wozniak said. So that was Steve Jobs' sidekick. He went to Singapore and looked at the education there. And he's like, wow, everything is so standardized. Same this, same this, same this. No innovation. You can't think out of the box. You can't be creative. And if you think about the the number of patents per capita 
in the United States versus China, who has a very, very, very regimented system, it's not even, it's not even close. Okay. And the interesting thing is that if you have somebody in some government bureaucracy that says your child should learn this, guess what? Our, our uh, technology is working, it's moving so fast that it may be that, that in five, maybe even less years than that, that particular piece of knowledge is not even necessary anymore. That job, that career that they started preparing for in eighth grade may not even exist. And so, so to me, the best thing is to have local control. Parents are the resident experts of their children. They know their children the very best. They know what they want. And, and that's the very best when you have these thousands of laboratories what's working best for you, what's working best for you, and not try to standardize. But as people learn from each other and say, whoa, you guys have an outdoor school in your state? How cool is that, right? Common Core would never allow for that. And, and yet the, the results are crazily cool. And so, so for me, the idea to even have, here, listen, I, I was talking to a, a wonderful expert on schooling and, and uh, kids. And she said, I think we ought to get rid of the standards altogether. And I'm like, whoa, that's radical. And she says, no, because the problem is you teach and test to the standard. You're trying to jam that kid into the standard. Every kid is different. And when we saw the, when we saw the results of, of this other school without adhering to those types of standards, when they worked for their personal record, okay, they're doing their personal best. Those kids didn't just arbitrarily meet some arbitrary standard. They went past it. Okay. So, so I really want to say to you that, that the excellence really can be there. We didn't have anything like national standards in the forties and thirties and, and people remember, you know, maybe, maybe you're not old enough, but, but remember <laughs> going to the store and no one had cash cashier machine. And those guys were just, they could add so yeah. fast to, 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 to but we don't have that capacity anymore. So really having standards doesn't help the learning. All right, we'll come back. We're going to continue this conversation with Joan Landis talking about uh, uh, standardizing our, our government uh, education. 43 states have adopted Common Core. And, and is it time for us to start uh, looking at this model? It's not really anything new, but maybe to take it back to how it was originally intended uh, with our founders when our conversation continues on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. All right, we're talking with, with Joan Landis, and, and she is, uh, you know, has, has done some out-of-the-box thinking about education. She and her husband homeschooled uh, seven children. We'll talk more about that and the game plan that they put together and their results. We're, we're locking on Common Core right now. And, and, Joan, it seems to be that you're kind of in line with what we've talked about on the show a lot. You know, when we allowed the Department of Education to be created in this country, that was a huge mistake because, right. because, as you said, the founders never intended the federal government to be involved in the education of children. Uh, and then we allowed the Department of Education to be created. And, Bubba, as we've said on the air many times, uh, they were just like, oh, we're just here for funding. Just an umbrella group. Yeah, yeah, they weren't even going to do that we're, to we're, begin Yeah, we're, ju we're just here. We don't, we're not going to get involved in curriculum. To we're help not, the local folks We're out. just here to help. And then before you know it, they start sending the government school money. And then when you say, well, we like that money, and they say, oh, well, if you like the money, then we have a say. Yeah, yeah. dance to the song we're singing. And, and Here's your check. And, and this is probably <laughs> the biggest, do you think, the biggest federal reach so far, and that is this 
indoctrination of the common core. We want everybody on the same standard. This this came straight from the federal government, right? Well, absolutely. And it's it's the it's the camel's nose in the tent. Okay, because it started out with just academic standards. Oh, we're just going to do math and reading. And then, uh oh, history. Uh oh. So that becomes very controversial. How do you teach history? Right. So I have I have one little caboose daughter at home and um, on her online class. Um, so she does a couple online classes that she's finishing up. It had on there a picture of the framers of the Constitution, that classic painting where, you know, they're all standing there looking really noble. And it said, please discuss the motives of these um, signers of the Declaration of Independence and especially regard their uh, their gender, their SES, their um, uh, their gender and their SES. And I don't think they said religion, um, but but she the question was, we want you to view these founders through a BLM type of uh, uh, lens right. and, you know, very woke lens. And she sat there and she went, you know, I'm going to turn this on my head, on their head. And so she used the woke logic against them. And she said, you know, you can't tell just from looking on the outside what their gender is, what their SES is, what their race is, what their what their anything is. We don't even know if they identify as a human species. And for us to do that would be very, very unwoke. And so knowing that they could be anything these, this group might be the most diverse group in history. And since they are obviously possibly so diverse, we cannot assail any of their, any of their opinions. Boom. That's great. I mean, it, but, but you know that she was faced with that kind of question really should enrage parents because and here, let me, let me go to another piece. The one reason why common core is so bad. Um, common core um, tries to dictate to the teachers and uh, schools how they have to teach and what they have to teach to a great measure. And of course, we have to we have to teach to that, test to that. But one of the problems with this federal overreach is that it makes it so that um, the teacher is actually quite anxious. Okay, their jobs are on the line. Okay, if those kids don't perform at a certain level on those arbitrary tests, then their their jobs are on the line. So now the teachers are anxious. And so you get a kid walking in class that is, you know, maybe uh, behind behind the curve. And that teacher, there's a part of that teacher that wants to help them. But there's a part that's like, you know what, you're going to be a problem as far as how my ratings are. And what it does is it tends to stress that relationship. And we all know the research shows that the best learning happens in a close attached relationship, whether it's with parents or teachers. It's that idea that says, I don't care what you know until I know that you care. But with all the, all the demands on teachers, all the stakeholders they have to please, all this testing, all of this, you know, having to teach not necessarily what the kids really need, it stresses that relationship. And it's no wonder that kids are acting out more. They're cutting more. They've got more eating disorders, depression, anxiety, right? We never used to see this before, but literally those kids because of Common Core and because of other things, those, those schools have become very stressful, almost like a mini concentration camp. They walk in there and their stress goes through the roof. And interestingly, the kids that I was counseling that, that had a lot of depression, self-harm, eating disorders, suicidality, when, when before COVID, when they went home and didn't have to go into all that, 
a lot of those actually did a lot better. They were with mom and dad most of the day. They weren't fighting the peer battles. They weren't fighting for acceptance with really, you know, flaky teenagers that one day will like you and hate you the next. And so, so it really speaks to the big picture, this, this education system of which Common Core is, is really a, a visual part that it's not meeting the needs of our children. Our children are literally dying, literally. So, yeah. So, Joan, let me ask you this. I mean, I, I'm just trying to explore this concept. If you don't test the students or the teachers or the schools in this case, should students be tested in the classroom? Oh, for sure. Hey, think about what they all did before 1970, okay? Teachers made their own tests. Parents had parents-teacher con- t- conferences. I don't think my, my kid is learning. Okay, let's work on that. But a, t- a parent can sense when their kid is wasting their time. And the, the, the child can sense when they're getting their time wasted, right? And, and I'm not saying that you should never have any standardized testing, but, but it should be optional, kind of like the Iowa basics. Didn't you grow up with that, right? The Iowa basics, national testing, but it tests reading, it tests some basics, but it doesn't say you have to have these woke opinions and you have right. to, you know, you have, right. Yeah, so, we, you know, we had, uh, I think discipline, too, is a big problem now. Of course, back in when Rick and I was in school, the mm. uh, discipline was handled by the dad. I mean, I, I had a, pro, uh, you know, I, I had a correction for not paying attention in class. It was called a hot bottom. You know, it helped me to get over it real quick. Well, and, and you're speaking to very, very important things. And, and the interesting thing is most people do not even understand that there is a huge body of research on attachment. Okay. If children are not properly attached to their parents and families, they are, they're almost impossible to parent. But a properly attached child is easy to parent. And that it's one of the simplest concepts ever. And so when people are talking about putting kids in pre-K, taking them away from their parents early on, putting them in these institutionalizing them in government situations, I'm like, this is not even, this is against the research, right? We wouldn't even take a puppy away from its mother too early. We understand that. And yet we're thinking, let's throw these little kids in these instant big government institutions for major parts of their life. And then we're surprised when they don't attach to their family and they have to attach to their peers and their anxiety goes through the roof because peers are so unstable, right? So, so I love Bubba, I love what you said. The connection with your father, that expectation, that, at, that attachment with your father was the, one of the biggest motivations besides his, you know, saying, hey, you stay in line, right? right. But you're attached to him. If you weren't attached to him, you wouldn't care. You're like, so what? You paddle me. I don't care. I'm going to go out with my game, right? Yeah. But you did care about him. So you were much easier, much easier to parent, I'm assuming. Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it didn't take but one or two, and I kind of no. understood the concept. No. Well, yeah. we under we understood. We we also sit there and get it right. Yeah, and we were taught, <laughs> you know, something that has to be taught, and that is consequences, you know, for behavior. And you cannot learn learn in an environment where authority is not established. And it right. also teaches you the respect for authority. And of course, ultimately, I think most of this from a spiritual standpoint is we're turning children away from authority to the point that ultimately they reject God, the ultimate authority. And, uh, oh. and, and sure. there's, there's an agenda on this, on us moving to a secular godless society, and, and, right. we're, and we're seeing that. 
Right, because a, a godless society is very easy to manipulate. If, if you're basically a materialistic society without any existential answers to life, death, and suffering, you're so easy to manip manipulate. All I have to do is say, hey, I'm going to take away your welfare check. And you're like, okay, what do you want? Right. But religious people are very hard to manipulate. We're like, so what if I die? I've got a great afterlife. Right. Yeah. Or so what if you take away my check? I've got a congregation that's behind my back. Right. 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 And and so so, yeah, they, they don't like religion. They want to they want to separate uh, children from religion and from their parents. It's a very it's a very strategic thing. And uh, the results the results are devastating. They're they're just devastating. It's we're talking to uh, to Joan Landis, and we'll come back and we'll continue. We're talking about Common Core. But we're also talking about you know uh, uh, are there new innovative ideas on getting a better result uh, when it comes to educating our children? And and she and her husband have uh, have looked into this, and it's going to be interesting to hear the results uh, when we come back on Rick and Bubba University the podcast. Bubba, I mean, when you say the word Gabby, people are like, Gabby, what, I mean, what, what is this? Look, get a better insurance. G-A-B-I is what we're talking about. What does that mean? Well, it, it means that Gabby has provided a way for you and, and, and for me and for anybody that is watching this or listening to this. You can find out whether you are paying too much for your homeowner's insurance and for your automobile. I'm guilty of this. I didn't put a lot of research mm -hmm. into it. I just was trying to get this done you know, for you to get a mortgage, and I was trying to get this done if you've ever financed a vehicle. Uh, and that's not really wise if you want to be a good steward of what you have. And Gabby makes this easy without it costing you anything or any obligation of any kind. You want to see a true comparison with real rates from all the other insurance companies. I'm talking about apples to apples of your current coverage. They'll put 40 of the top insurance providers, progressive, nationwide, travelers, all the big names, they'll come up. You just enter a little bit of information. Here's what I pay for my automobile insurance for this coverage. Here's what I pay for this coverage for my homeowners. They pull up 40 other insurance companies and say, this is what they would charge you. Uh, the, the savings on average, $961 a year. That's the average. And, uh, and, and then, you know, you look at that kind of savings and you think to yourself, yeah, I could use another $1,000 a year. Uh, and then you simply switch to another company. So put your policy to test like, like we did. Get a better insurance. With Gabby, G-A-B-I, totally free to check, no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash Rick Bubba. That's G-A-B-I.com slash Rick Bubba. Gabby.com slash Rick Bubba. Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. We're talking with uh, uh, with Joan Landis. And, Joan, we talked about Common Core. We talked about some of the things we've heard on the program for years about the dangers of, uh, of government education because – the reason why the founders were, were trying so so hard to limit government because they knew any time you give the government power, every single time, whatever you give them, they'll always abuse it. Uh, so just it's just human nature. Just, uh, so minimize what you give them, and and we decided uh, to give them uh, education. But if our audience is any indication, I think people have a limit to what they will tolerate, and a lot of people are leaving the government schools for either a private faith-based school uh, mm -hmm. or they're, they're leaving uh, for homeschooling options that are out there, and those are, are becoming more and more prominent. Uh, yeah. and, and, uh, and Because it seems like anytime somebody comes up with a form of education that, that gets a better result, the government and the unions are the first to go out and squash it and, and say, well, you know, the charter schools, for instance, 
the charter schools yep. the charter schools do a, do a better job. How about this? When we tried to give people vouchers to leave bad school systems and go to better school systems, uh, the the left uh, those that love giant government always seem to be against that. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and, yeah. and what other conclusion can you come to other than what you're trying to educate people on is what they ultimately want is the full control to indoctrinate your children into whatever agenda they may have. Right, and and not only that, but when when uh, when Common Core w- was do- documented as an abysmal failure, okay, Alabama went clear down to not just fifty but fifty-two, right? Um, after after instigating Common Core, um, and th- and it isn't just Alabama; the scores have gone down across the board. Um, but but when that happened, and Bill Gates said, "Well, too bad, so sad, sex to be you," okay, he he actually did not care very much. Um, then we realized this is not about learning. This is about data. Oh, when we understood that it was actually about data collection, then, then everything lined up, everything made sense. This is, it really was not trying to uh, improve your child's education. It was just getting, literally some of the programs have a million data points on them. Um, so, so that, I think that was very, very sobering to understand. The other thing that, that I think a lot of parents don't understand is that when that camel's nose is in the tent, not only do you get the educational standards that are controversial, but now we have comprehensive sexuality, uh, eroticization now. And, and that's coming straight from the top. And I'll tell you, talk about controversial. Boy, when they teach your kids, that, you know, okay, if you've got young kids on, you got to turn down the volume. But when they teach young kids that masturbation, homosexuality, anal sex, and things like that are, are entirely appropriate, um, we, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. We have a problem, but it's coming, it's being jammed down our throats from the feds because of things like Common Core, because we bought into this federal intervention. So, so once the system is set up, then they just, the, the fuel begins to, to come into the system for, for whatever it needs. So so let me, let me go back to what you said to begin with. So we're actually looking at the Common Core implementation. Uh, we're all, we're from Alabama, and I know that there's a, a lot of people right now that are, there's a big push. You, you need to contact your representatives and your senators that there's an opportunity to say that Alabama's not going to participate in this anymore. But, but right. I know, but we're talking about 43 different states. But looking at the 43 states, are we seeing similar results that you know, I, I'm I'm a kind of person that says, look, if we try something and we don't get the result we're looking for, then we all have to come to a conclusion that that was a failure. And you're saying, is Common Core proving? Uh, I know you said in Alabama it's no, but uh, uh, if you look at 43 states, are we getting similar results that this isn't improving the education of the children? Right. No, the test scores have dropped significantly, okay, in every area. Um, but but see, that's that was not the point. It's not failing at what it wanted to do. We thought it wanted to improve education. Understood. That was the story they gave us. It's not. And so that's why they don't care. They just they just want the control. They want the data points. They want to separate uh, parents from their from, from their children. You know, that's one reason they teach that math where the parents are going, I don't know how to do this. And that's actually, that's, that's actually a tactic. Joan, let me back up one step from Common Core. How are you on the No Child, no Child Left Behind program? How do you feel about it? Well, I think I think every step was a step in the wrong direction, um, I, and I really what what really needs to happen is we need to think really big picture. 
not not fiddling with the standards, fiddling with the, the carrot and the stick for educators. The big picture is the societal success with education with children will be based on the family, the family. And we need to do everything in education needs to support family functioning. And one of the most important things to do is to really make sure those kids are properly attached. They love mom and dad. Mom and dad know how to express their love, right? And that, that really is a function of the churches, um, neighborhoods, families, extended family, right? When you get that one right, the particular school doesn't matter that much. I mean, I mean, think of, um, think of how many kids have come up through just abject poverty, but, uh, but they make it. Why? They didn't have great schools because they had family behind them. Okay. And so if we, if we build these Taj Mahal schools and spend billions and billions of dollars, and yet the family structure is not there, it won't help. I don't care if it's no child left behind. I don't care if it's common core. I don't care. All right. We really need to really get focused on our family and our kids. If you are not focused on your kids, try not to have them. Okay. Because that's the most, one of, one of the most inspiring stories I heard was a brilliant, brilliant woman who graduated from uh, UC Berkeley. She was in school in Harvard. She got married. She had kids. She wrote this fantastic novel and everybody's like, oh, you've got to publish it. It's freakish. It's amazing. And she goes, no, I'm not going to. And, and they said, why? And they said, she said, because I'm afraid it would detract from my role as a mother. Now that woman, that woman had her, her priorities right. The, the, if you can invest in your children in the first few years of your life, the rest of it is actually not too tough. But if, if you don't invest in your children, you're like, oh, maybe I've got 10 minutes for you. It won't work. I don't care what expensive schools, what standards. And so I really want to encourage people if they're if they're upset about this stuff. Yes, work on repealing Common Core. Yes, work on getting local control back. Run for your school board, right? Get that local control back. Homeschool, do co-ops, do private schools, anything to get your kid out of that government confinement indoctrination, all right? And along with that, attach to your children, love them, spend time with them, cry with them, laugh with them, because when they're properly attached, they're actually, the, they're easy to parent. They really are. So we're going to come back and we'll do the final segment. I'm going to, I got a follow-up question on that. And I want to talk about uh, what you and your husband, the, the breakout school dot org and yeah, how do we learn we, math we, outside? Yeah. And, and what you, what you're <laughs> doing, because I do think we do need to think of, of other ways to do uh, education because it, I think we're losing the role of education and what it was supposed to do. And now we think the role of education is to indoctrinate a generation of children into a certain political view or a certain worldview or moral view. When at one time uh, the mo the thing that school was concentrating on is actually educating children so that they could go out and be high functioning adults. Uh, so we'll right. come back and we'll continue this conversation with Joan Landis when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. So we're talking with, with Joan Landis, and we're, we've talked Common Core, and now we're, this, this last segment of the podcast, we're going to talk a little more uh, about, about some ideas, some things you and your husband have experimented with that have worked quite well in your own seven children. But let me ask you this one question before we move on. I 100% agree with what you said about the, the, this country – is, is in the shape that it's in because we've allowed the, the family unit to be destroyed. No doubt about it. However, what do we do with the children that, that have been born into families that have no desire 
to connect to their children. They, they, they're not going to do the job that they were called to do. They do not take responsibility for their children. And then their kid is dropped off at a government school or was bused there and they couldn't care less. And they know that's eight hours. They don't have to fool with them. And then, and then, I mean, what do we do with the children that don't have uh, a family unit that says we're leaving this system and we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to a private school. We're leaving a lot of children in government schools who don't have a choice. So what do we do with them? I think that's a really, really good question. Um, and I, and I, again, I think a lot of the, a lot of the uh, answer comes in the extended family. Maybe the parents aren't motivated, but I'll bet you there's a grandma, a yeah. grandpa, an aunt, an uncle. Okay. Um, and then the other thing too is, yes, we, we need to be, get on school boards. We need to influence what's going on there. We need to, um, you know, go for good legislation, do what we can. And yet one of the most powerful things we can do is to walk away. And, and I know with the, the it's, it's somewhere between 10 and 20%, depending on which state, um, somewhere as far as private schooling and homeschooling. If all of us parents suddenly decided, you know what, uh, we're going to re-enroll re in public school, it would overwhelm the system. It would crush the system. I mean, there's a massive amount of pent-up power there. Um, but, but, I, but you do ask a good question. Another thing, too, is I really think the church needs to step yeah, up. Yeah. Churches need to step up and care about these kids and say, you know what, maybe maybe you're you're stuck in the government school, but can we create an academy in our church? Every church could do that. Yeah. There's no reason you've got the building, you've got the adults, right? And and rescue those kids, rescue them because it literally is life and death and spiritual life and death. I, yeah. you can tell I'm very passionate about this. No, well, there, you, you just you just hit one of the solutions. The the another family member is a solution. But I have seen, and I know the church that I attend does this, churches are starting to develop these academies, and they're not right. just reaching out to the children that do have families. They're saying, we're in this community, and we right. are an option for the child that maybe isn't in the position uh, or right. a family unit that can do that, and they're taking that role uh, yep. in, in the child's life. Foster parents are taking the role uh, right. in, in a child's life. Uh, so. Let's talk a, a little bit about breakoutschool.org. I mean, we've talked about common yeah, how core. does that work? Yeah, I mean, it, what are the how, how does that really work? If I if I'm not good at math, how is that gonna gonna look when I, I go to this format? Right, right. And that's the big question. People can't imagine it. It's like, wait, what? But <laughs> but, the, but there really is cool research that shows that children learn best or, or better under a green leafy canopy. And I don't know what, what that would be. I don't know if it's because for thousands of years, that's really where we learned. I don't know. This this recent development of being in four walls to learn is is it's not natural, right? But but and it's it's a, a it's a PhD uh, Dr. Richardson um, that I consult for, and he um, started this school, and the results are amazing. They take their books, they take their binders, they don't use screens, okay, and they sit in a park. They sit under a a, a roof in a park, and um, they're out on the jungle gym. And it is the craziest thing. You see pictures of it and they're just hanging all over. Um, the, the, the story that they said is, you know, we didn't, we didn't take, um, you know, the, the, they didn't remove the bad things from school. They removed the kid from the school mm. and, and they removed the four walls is what they were. And, and the results are amazing. They, they work with horses. Um, they learn to assert themselves with horses. They learn to manage anxiety. They, they're very, uh, no bullying is allowed. Oh, interestingly, another part of the school is manners. 
And, and Dr. Richardson found if you have excellent manners, you cannot bully. That's true. Very interesting. Very so he's he he has reinstated the manners. These are little gentlemen. He calls them his heroes, and they all have their cool uh, you know hero name. They're you know all the all DC Comics names, and <laughs> and they have a blast. And um, the results academically are amazing. They do uh, science out in the wild, right? And they dissect things out in the wild, and. It's, it's just really, really fun. And the motivation is to do their personal best. Um, if you hear some of those testimonials on their Facebook page, it just brings tears to your eyes. These mothers that have said, you know, the, my, my, my son was so angry. He was so anxious. He was hitting. He was, you know, tearing his hair out and everything. And now he's a happy kid. He's a leader. And it's because instead of basing it on standards, they base their progress on their personal record. And they say, what's your personal record for that? Can you do better? Yeah, I can. And the reason it works is not because of a, a standard written on some wall. It's because of the attachment with that teacher. They will do anything for that teacher because they care about that teacher. The ratio is about 10 to 1. It's incredible. And, and they're, they're, they love each other. Those boys love each other. They root for each other. They, they don't sabotage each other. It's a completely different feeling than walking into the government confinement schooling where you're pitted and competing against each other or competing against an arbitrary standard, which may not work for you at all, right? So it's, it's really exciting. They go to um, businesses and they go to farms and they go to rec centers and they do have a day a week that they have in, in, in a, a room in a, a school and they, they do some uh, learning there in that room, but it's all formatted as, hey, as soon as you're done, let's go out and run around. Yeah. And they do bike rides and hiking and fishing and swimming. And it's, it's the ultimate Huckleberry Finn school. And it's, it's really fun. <laughs> wow. So, so you, you and your husband, you homeschooled your seven children, correct? Part-time, about half-time. Half-time. And, and you also uh, said that you, you encouraged them to, to develop some musical skills, athletic skills, entrepreneurial skills, kind of taught them how the real world works, along, sure. of course, with academics. And, and, and what I and it said, most of your, your kids had, uh, ha, have a small business, and they did yes. that as teenagers, and they learned how right. to run a small business. Uh, they right. they are successful entrepreneurs as adults, and and, yeah. and there's not one of them that's in a cubicle in front of a uh, a computer right now. They're all entrepreneurial, yes. doing their own thing. They are. It's fantastic. I've got a I've got a son that's a classically trained violinist. He was a prodigy, and um, he's a YouTube star. He has three million viewers, and he does crazy. <laughs> Uh, cosplay violin stuff so fun he's making a great living he's got four girls um and i've got another daughter that uh went to fine art school on both coasts she became like a renaissance artist very very classical and she started her own um early phonics readers and uh it's called dash into learning and it's and and i helped her with it actually and um and she sold them all over the world to schools all over the world, homeschoolers all over the world, because they're darling, they're beautiful, they're not ugly. Like a lot of a lot of readers, you know, emphasize sad, mad, and bad. Ugh. But these are beautiful, they're charming, 
and and kids and parents love them. And then now we're doing a uh, social emotional learning course. It's called Dash into Happy, and that I'm actually writing that and doing that program. And it's completely different than the social emotional learning that you get in schools because that one wants them to detach from their parents, okay, and start working with their peers and and just trying to solve things on their own. But Dash into Happy is about attaching to your parents learning to soothe, learning to comfort, learning to receive comfort and to be very, instead of, instead of mindful as much, heartful and talk about feelings and really communicate and, and attach. Because if parents, like I said, if parents and kids attach, the rest of it kind of falls into place. And, and you're, it sounds like you're also doing something Bubba and I have talked about. It seems to be more real world, hands-on stuff. Let's go see how a business runs. Let's go see how a farm operates. Let's Let's learn some skills uh, that could uh, that could also be used in the real world as as opposed to like we can't believe that that schools don't seem to teach a child about a budget. They don't teach a child about how to uh, how to balance finance a, a finances. Yeah. They they don't learn any of this stuff that's going to be the required. Yeah, the things right. that it's everybody has to do. Right. Well, in fact, in breakout school, they have a tool users program. And, and if you learn to if you learn to use a tool, then you get it in your toolkit. And the really fun thing is that the last two tools they get are a Bowie knife and a hatchet. And we've got one they've got one boy that walks around two Bowie knives hanging from his belt. And and there's absolute trust there. This guy has absolute perfect track record. And that that see, that's very much like how it used to be. You trust kids to step up if you if you treat them with respect and you expect them to, you know, progress. And and it, it, people just can't believe it. You know, these were kids that before were really, really impulsive, really, really tend to be not violent, but you know, just just kind of struggling. And now they're they're just on it. It's so fun. So we have parents. Uh, we're, we've got about two minutes left. We we have parents that are watching this or listening to this right now. Uh, it, it, you know, some people like us, our children are already adults. So it, you know, they're they're out and and there's some things that we that we did that we think, hey, that was good. And there's probably some things that we did. If you have had to do it over again, I might do it differently. But uh, for those that have children that are either small or you know elementary school or you know they they're they're just starting this journey. What, what's the best advice you give them about the education of their child? Keep them home with you as long as possible. Get them to attach to you as strongly as possible. And that, that's the number one thing. Everything else is, is frosting on the cake. So I would, that's what I would do. If you are both mom and dad working full-time jobs, do everything you can to figure out a way to keep them home with you more and to be there for them if that means having grandma help out and 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 that that would be my number one thing it's family right so you're saying what you want to do there is let the people who will be teaching them be accents in their life uh, coming in and solidifying supporting what you are already teaching them don't don't take all the teaching and just and just kind of contract that out to somebody else that's how it always was yeah yeah that, that's how it always was and you're exactly right so a couple of uh, websites you want to look at uh, if you want to find out more some of the things we talked about. Breakoutschool.org, you can look at that. Uh, Dashingtolearning.com, that's there. Uh, dashingintohappy.com, uh, is that there? Dash, yeah, learning and dashintohappy.com. Right, I got you right there. Now, and, yeah. then, and then uh, and we'll, put, uh, we'll put all that there, and you can grab that. Joan, thank you for taking time to be with us. I, I think this, 
common core uh, situation with our country. It almost feels like a monster that we've already let out, let out of the cage. Uh, but each individual state, I guess, will have a say in whether they want to continue that, right? Well, and and don't forget, each individual family has a, has a say, too. Yep. And don't I'll give away it. your power. That's where your power is, right? But, right, absolutely. If there's any bill that to repeal it, go for it. Support it, for sure. Hey, you guys have been wonderful. If we had more people like you in the media, there would be a lot more hope. Good for you. Well, you know, we think the same thing. You know, Jim. I'm glad you said Funny that. Funny you mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, except for you to say that. And, uh, we, you know, that's why this is called Rick and Bubba University. You know, I, I think this is another place. What we do is we hand out degrees in common sense, uh, which now has become a superpower. But I, I think a lot of what you've talked about today still is in that same genre of just common sense that at one time uh, Americans seemed to all agree on. Right. Absolutely. And they're, they're foundational. Uh, the humans have not changed that much. And if we get back to what worked for hundreds of years, I think we're actually going to do well. Makes a lot of sense. Joan, thank you for being with us. Joan Landis, our guest again, breakoutschool.org, dashingintolearning.com and dashingintohappy.com as well. Joan, thanks for taking time to be with us. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for joining us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. <laughs>